What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 12 of season two. Two episodes now back to back in quick succession. We apologize for last week. We were meant to drop on the Wednesday, but some logistical issues meant we had to go on the Friday instead. But this week we're back to usual timings. And boy, do we have a special guest for you this week. So Amish mentions in the Telegram quite a lot about the hedge fund that we work with. And luckily this week, we managed to get some time with one of the directors at Sawn Bryce Digital Asset Fund, Adam Bryce himself of Sawn Bryce. And he provides a really great and unique insight into the hedge fund world. He used to previously work at a commodities hedge fund where he used to be well-versed with assets like gold and silver. And he provided a quite a unique insight into March 2020 itself, living through March 2020 at a hedge fund, which was pretty crazy to hear. What it takes to build a hedge fund, you know, the infrastructure, the team around you as well. It's all good surrounding yourself with intellectual people, but it's equally as important to surround yourself with people you can get on with from a social perspective as well, because you're going to be working side by side, sometimes in the trenches when it's difficult for the next 10, 15 years or however long it may be. So really, really mature, insightful conversation with Adam, someone we really, really respect a lot. We appreciate his time. And here's a little snippet from Adam himself. Hope you enjoy this one, guys. Send it. I wanted to start the fund, obviously, to get access to institutional crypto, to make people money, obviously, and make myself money and make everyone around me money. That's that's obviously the reason we do this. But again, it is genuinely a need to try and help people because people need it. And crypto is the biggest change in wealth in history to the point where we're talking 1929 after that crash and then the new world order after World War Two, you know, and then the gold standard being abolished in 1971 against the dollar. These are serious events. And I think crypto is, in the next four to eight years, going to put its mark, should we say, for a very, very long time. Welcome, Adam. Great to have you on the podcast, bro. It's a good day, guys. It's, it's a good day. And it's not because BTC is at $50,000. It's because Certified Lover Boy's dropped. Because <laughs> of Solana and the Sunshine. Sunshine Solana. Solana, Solana's got a little bit to do with it as well. Still, it's looking pretty healthy, but CLB has officially dropped on time. I saw hey. the, the number of messages in the group chat and I just, I just didn't even open it. Well, the, the thing that got me was James was even excited about a Certified he, Lover Boy dropping. He's, he's a wind-up merchant, mate. He does it deliberately. <laughs> He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to yeah. press, press my I will, We will get to the bottom of Amish's hate for, for Drizzy one day and see where it comes from. I know. But, I know. But he needs to get to the bottom of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Honestly, absolutely buzzing that it's dropped. Woke up this morning, Amish, and I was straight on there, my friend. Don't worry. <laughs> I said, I, all, all I wrote in the group chat was, I'll be back in a week with my thoughts. Feel free to push <laughs> the, uh, the propaganda in the meantime. It's all good, mate. That's what he said. Korean, welcome, welcome back, brother. It's good to have you back, man. What's going on? Glad to be back. How are you, man? How's things down there? Uh, it's good for right now. 4.30 a.m. call with you guys is always therapeutic, so, you know. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, other than that, everything's all right for now. Life is life, and glad to be here. Appreciate the dedication, man, to the, to the podcast. Oh, Adam, yeah, man, sure. great to have you on, like I said. Before we start, do you want to give a little bit of a background to yourself, to the listeners? Yeah, sure. So anyone who's, I guess, been following CCTC for the last year or so, I've probably seen, obviously, in the post a lot about this, this specific fund. Obviously, I'm Adam Bryce of Bryce of Storm Bryce, who a regulated crypto fund, working on a, an $18 billion investment manager platform. That was about a year ago or so, and previously before that. Obviously, I worked in commodities for four or five years, sort of as an execution, non-discretionary broker. Obviously, before moving sort of three years or so ago into the into the crypto space and, and, and managing crypto for, for specific clients. I think we'll probably get onto it later, but obviously we're living through March 2020. Mm. Previously, previously before that, I had my own goals of naturally starting my own fund and obviously lucky enough to be in the position now that we're doing so with with, with the help of TCC and, and, and specifically yourself, Dylan and Amish and, and, and James. So yeah, I think it's been a, been a bit of a, a whirlwind, should we say, for the last 18 to 24 months, not just naturally, naturally with COVID, but obviously with crypto and then launching the fund for me. So. Just the last three months has been quite fun, hasn't it? <laughs> My voice is still not recovered. Yeah, the, the, the last three months has been interesting, should we say. 
Mm. No, I mean, do you want to go into a little bit about how you maybe met Adam and your kind of relationship? Yeah, 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 obviously. So I was put in touch with the guys about a year or so ago. I think it was July mm. last year, right, right kind of in the middle of, of, of the pandemic. And, and I remember I was on my way to work. You know, I was just asked, well, I think we're setting up their own hedge fund. Would you like to join, you know, or, or at least join the team? And you know, it's, not, it's not a phone call that you get every day and might as well, you know. And I remember at the time, James was kind of not struggling, but he was getting really frustrated with the market and just a lot of things. And he was, I think because of NDAs and whatnot, I couldn't even tell James at the time. So it was a really kind of weird couple of weeks. I just said to him, look, mate, just, just stick with it. Just stick with it. Just, 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 you know, keep faith for, for another couple of weeks. And he was, he was really on the verge of, of not, not necessarily packing it in, but just, just, you know, taking a, a very significant break from, from the whole thing. So we all kind of came together in this little pub in, in Basingstoke, I think probably around September, October. One piece of advice, if you ever want to launch a hedge fund, don't ever do it in the middle of a pandemic because the number of obstacles you'll come across, you, you couldn't even make up if, if, if you tried. So we got through it, got through kind of seed investing. Obviously, TCC played a huge role in that. And the blueprint does is basically the underlying you know, strategy. And that's kind of what we can say, if we like, in terms of strategy. But TCC has a, has a huge influence on, on the kind of hedge fund. And, and yeah, it's, it's been a real baptism of fire since launch. And we've learned so much over the last year, you know, just about ourselves, about trading, about crypto, about, you know, anything and everything there is to do with, with managing money so far. And we still feel that we don't really know anywhere near as much as we will do say this time next year and whatnot so no it's been fun it's not been easy i have to say but it's been an incredible year just just to kind of get it going and yeah the best is definitely yet to come for sure man if you can kind of divulge into it a little bit adam what's it like actually setting setting up a hedge fund is it as complicated as people think it is or because i feel like a lot of people haven't quite quite don't quite understand like the process behind it I think that would be an understatement of the century. Um, <laughs> it's, do you know what? There's a lot of things, I think, which I guess you guys can more appreciate as well, is the fact that a lot of people in the crypto space over the last, let's say, 10 years now, or as a whole, naturally individuals. So obviously, as the individual accounts are easily set up through KYC and obviously, et cetera, et cetera, people think, oh, it can't be that difficult. What you've got to do is you know, set up a company you know, set up an account with a corporate account with one of these exchanges and, you know, just sort of go from there, right? No, not the case in any way, shape or form. The amount of due diligence and KYC and background checks, etc., that FCA, MFSA, SEMA, see now the ones in Singapore, the amount, the amount of background checks they do on you as an individual about your spending habits, for example, mm. or your credit score or, you know, whether you have any points in your license. So that it's, it's things that you never deem or you never think, oh, this is going to contribute to me being or not being a fund manager. Because obviously if you're skilled enough, you believe that you can, you can do the job regardless. But no, it's with regards to setting up a fund, it's not just that, it's the infrastructure problems mm. that we had during COVID as well. Obviously we had to speak to you know, our exchanges, registered to our, our banking providers, which was the biggest hurdle, should we say, as soon as you sort of say, you yeah, know, I'm a... On a crypto fund, for example, they go, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, mate. I'll send you on your way, essentially. But there's a there's a million and one moving parts that go along with setting it up. And I think you know, if I was ever going to say to someone or someone ever asked me for advice about starting their own fund, I'd say absolutely. Because it's very, very rewarding. And that shows you both on the financial side, if you get it right, obviously. But also on a as a grow, I guess growing as a human, it's very rewarding. But I would say go into it with your eyes open. And please understand that this is going to take at least 12 to 18 months to even set up before launch. Mm -hmm. That's one thing we, we got a baptism of fire with, should we say, because you know, we, our plans originally were to launch at the start of this year. And I would say did everything we could as fast as we could. And we didn't launch till May, which speaks volumes. But I, I do think that before people even consider getting into the fund world, I do think that they need to go through at least one market cycle, maybe even two market cycles before they have the psychology to deal with the stress that it takes of, of investing other people's money. But I'm sure everyone on all your listeners have probably, you know, watched these films like the Wolf of Wall Street, et cetera. And it looks very glamorous, but the real day to day, the nitty gritty as Amish and Dylan will, will I'm sure at some point, hopefully shed some light on our conversations don't revolve around what's going to make us the most money. The, the, the conversations revolve around, de-risking our portfolio and making sure our investors are protected. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just to round up, I would, if I was going to try and shed some light on, on what it's like to try and set up your own fund, please, if, you, if you're going to do it, just make sure you go into it with your eyes open and make sure that you're not getting ahead of yourself, number one as well. 
it's more hurdles, I think, than you could ever imagine, to say the least. Mm. Very insightful, that man. Very insightful. Let's backtrack a little bit to when you were working at your that, the commodities hedge fund that you mentioned. Well, I remember meeting you in Birmingham a few months back now, and you told me a few interesting stories about the day, the day everything popped off, March 2020, and what it was like working there at the time. Just give, give us a little bit of an insight into what it was actually like, March 2020, mm. COVID, working at... Mm. Still have PTSD from it. I still have PTSD honest. from the the May crash, mate. I <laughs> know, yeah, no, yeah, yeah war torn. <laughs> but it's to say, the, I'll give you an idea. I traded with some people, or what I believed at the time were extremely, extremely not just good traders, but psychologically very strong individuals. I think that the, the way I can sort of maybe convey it and, and try and try and you know try and break it down for you, for people in a, in a really graphic way. I've got fully grown men, married, kids, mortgages, etc. Just break down in tears on a trading floor. And, you know, it's, it's quite a thing to see. I mean, I was 23, 24 at the time. Maybe, yeah, it's just turning, just turning 25 maybe. And I think the area I worked in, commodities, especially obviously gold, silver, etc. They got absolutely hammered. And, and rightly so, obviously, because of their, their use cases, et cetera, and the supply chain problems. It's really something that you can't really, really convey to someone that wasn't there. The people that are there with you, almost as they say, <laughs> in the trenches, as it were, as, as we saw in May, people really never understand what you go through. But if you make it through to the other side, as I did, and a few others that I know very closely did, again, if you if you can weather the storm to a certain degree in the financial markets. I said, it's very, very rewarding coming out the other side. But with regards to living through it, it was, um, I remember being sat at, at it. so I actually, just for your listeners' reference, I worked around the south of England. So we were at a, we were at a, a bar sort of hotel place around the area we worked. We were sat there as a, as a, as a trading team about eight, nine o'clock at night as a sort of US session was winding down. And, and we were sat there thinking, you know, we got multiple years of support and resistance here. We got, you know, all the, you know, all the technical charts were basically defaulted, etc. We basically sat there and thought, well, what next? Because if this keeps going lower, we're gonna have a serious problem. <laughs> and that was on the Friday. On the Monday open, obviously, it continued for almost what you could call a Black Monday and a Black Tuesday. And come the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the bot market actually in hindsight was starting to bottom out. And that's obviously, as you guys know, and I think you see it in crypto more than any other market in the world, is the extreme fear and the extreme emotions behind each move, either to the upside or downside. Mm. But there's one thing I've definitely learned from March 2020, and that if you're ever going to compare fear and greed and which one's more powerful, it is greed by a considerable, considerable distance, I have to say. Just for, just for reference, I think that's one thing I learned through March 2020. Well, wow. so in your in your opinion, what was what was worse? Do you reckon March twenty twenty or two thousand and eight? Do you think two thousand and eight? Two thousand for me. Yeah, I'd say yeah because I think two thousand eight triggered a massive domino effect, which then proceeded to where we are now, basically. Whereas March twenty twenty just seemed more of a black mm. on one off kind of thing. And I think as we we've spoken about, I think as well, it's <laughs> the thing that we have now that we didn't know we had in 2008 to the extent we had it was 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 printing and, and QE mm. because at the end of the day interest rates come down to zero they keep turning the taps on to try and stimulate the economy etc or trying to get money to the, the consumers but 2008 obviously I, I was very young at the time I must have been must be sort of 13 14 yeah. and I and you know I wasn't particularly interested in in you know financial markets at 13 14 I was I was too busy trying to kick a football around like most of the people my age you know even I at 13 14 was reading newspapers and, and reading and thinking shit you know are we you know even my mum and dad are we going to lose our house are we going to yeah you know, are we, are we what's going to happen are we going to you know how, what what is the next step essentially and that was you know and people that know me know I didn't grow up in a you know I didn't grow up should we say with a silver spoon in my mouth but at the same time I grew up in an area where the recessions and, and, and things like that hit the people the hardest because I think it's very well known that recessions don't hurt people that are super wealthy. They don't, they certainly don't hurt people that are also at the opposite end of the scale. They hurt the working class and they hurt the middle class because they're the spenders in the economy. Yeah. The reason it's even around us, I, I'd like to say, to be honest with you, 
I think it's, <laughs> as you guys are more sort of into the social media, Twitter sort of spats than I am. But also I think there's a lot of people, very, very famous investors that, okay, you know, have, have sort of ignored the, the, the digital digital gold version in Bitcoin, but also have also, you know, sort of sworn by the yellow metal, as they got to call it. And let's be honest, gold should be more more real-time value around $3,000 than what it is right now. Mm. Being a, on the day, I, I haven't looked for a couple of weeks, but I assume between 16, 17, 1800 in that region. You're moving sideways. You'd, you'd think a hedge against, you'd think black swan event. It, 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 ha, it is the perfect environment for gold to go higher, which it, it never really, really got going from its lows in March. I mean, it still you know went up to $2,000, for example. But I mean, even even the investment banks were talking about it going to 3K, which is obviously the institutional side of things. And when the institutional investors or or the banks, for example, miss their estimates on on gold, you know you're in a <laughs> you're in a weird weird change, shall we say, in in the financial markets, which is um is definitely taking taking its hold, shall we say, with regards to the social aspect of it. I think because I think the difference between now and 2008 for gold specifically and and other other assets specifically is is the accessibility of investing to the masses. Whereas previously, obviously, you know, there wasn't these apps, there wasn't these, I guess, groups to a certain degree where, you know, you get big, like whether it be Reddit or however these people are in, you know, are, are following the trends, for example, you don't have that. You didn't have that, but you have that now. And the problem also with, with gold and maybe specifically silver is that the vast majority of the, the market is bought by central banks or bought by JP Morgan in silver's case, which again, it, it, it throws its own problems for it long term. But if you were to ask me now versus March 2020, would you rather buy gold or, or buy, buy, buy Bitcoin? I'd, I'd probably, have chosen, probably have chosen gold prior to March 2020. But obviously that has, that has significantly changed, shall we say. I think we've, we've, seen, we've seen the transition of, of gold to digital gold in the last 18 months. And I think people will look back as they did from 1971 and the abolish of the gold standard, they'll look at that now and they'll look at say, March 2020 and then into 2021. They'll be able to pinpoint the long-term change from gold to Bitcoin, I personally believe. Yeah, I remember I remember March 2020 last year in the months because I, I went on holiday in February 2020. I came back and everyone was just working from home afterwards and I was just sat in my garden. I had trading view open and, and I was I had gold at the top of my watch list and it was doing well. Like, like you said, I think a couple of months of April, May, June, when it, when it hit new all-time highs, gold was really, really doing well as an asset at that point. And then it just seemed like when Bitcoin got going from like July, August onwards, gold just faded into the background and you could almost see that money, just the money that would have gone into gold was just flowing into Bitcoin instead. It was, it, yeah, it was interesting. Any thoughts on that, Amish? Like I said, I think I probably pay a little less attention little to, less. <laughs> to, the, to that side of things. I, I think I think every time I check gold, it just seems to be in that eighteen hundred. Yeah. So I just kind of switch off. I remember a lot of times when Dylan would be like, "Oh my god, gold's flying!" and me and James would be like, "Where are we looking at the right chart?" But, you know, gold has obviously been it's, it's obviously moves different, and and I think. It was we didn't really have that much of a macro understanding of things, and this is why we didn't, you know, have a real good, you know, a real great insight into into how gold was moving or why it was moving when it was. But I mean, just the long and short of it is, you know, when it should have performed in its kind of you know ideal environment, it just didn't. Mm. So, and it's just been really, really flat. Whereas you know, Bitcoin for you know whether it's the cycle, whether it's the the narrative, whether it's the perfect storm, just seems to have you know up only kind of well i won't say up only but it seems it's doing what it should be doing does that make sense yeah yeah it does yeah just just for guys like kind of just 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 a piece of people that are aware adam is actually a macro guy so i have a bit of have a bit of support today on the podcast first probably first real macro guy i think that we've had on the podcast apart from me maybe you could say who's a little bit with 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 his thinking and thoughts but it's great to have him on great great thoughts as well okay let's just move into crypto what was your initial move into crypto? Where did you first come across Bitcoin? Honestly, when my the previous firm I worked at started launching the products, they only launched Bitcoin, Ether, XRP, and Litecoin. Obviously, the you know the big names that we say, or the blue chip equivalent in crypto. And that was my first first start of exposure to it. And that was coming to the end of 2017. So I think we actually launched maybe even we we started it 
probably the first two, three months of 2018. So <laughs> I remember even from a technical standpoint, both myself and colleagues sort of saying to our, saying to our, at the time, our line manager saying, why are we offering these products with the volatility that they, they had? And at the time in 2018, that was perfectly reasonable yeah. because, you know, obviously everyone, everyone knows what the market did in the start of 2018. So for even for, even for maybe six months to a year, when I was even, I had that product available to offer it to or, or, or recommend it to clients, I, I, I refused to for, for, for a flat six to nine months. And I concentrated all my, all my business in commodities. It wasn't until start of or the, maybe Q2 of 2019, after about a year, year and a, year and a bit of research into the, the space and understanding the use cases of certain assets, up and take notice. And I thought, you know, although I'd been speculating in it, both personally, I thought, you know, end of the day, I'm going to start taking this seriously. And I think that was my first transition of, of my allocation from maybe even mainstream equities into, into crypto. And I was doing the same volume of buying. And obviously, over the last year and a half, two years, my, my buying got bigger and bigger and bigger in digital assets. I definitely wouldn't change it. I think it's probably quite weird for people to, to hear. Anyone who knows me knows now that there's nothing really else on the table other than, other than Bitcoin for me I, over gold. Although they both have their places, I'd, I'd always choose, I would always choose Bitcoin over gold. But yeah, that's the first exposure I had to it. What was the actual moment where you thought, yeah, this is it. This is this is gonna overtake gold, and and then and then some. On, honestly, the moment yeah. the moment I thought it was gonna overtake gold, which is was probably when it broke five k to the downside, which probably sounds weird to a lot. Because obviously, if you look at the the amount of time it spent below five k hmm. in comparison to the amount of time gold spent recovering, yeah. By the yeah. time by the time we dipped to three k, by the time it got to like nine ten thousand two three four hundred percent upside, gold was dribbling. So again, it was, it was an easy, easy show of where people would rather or the sentiment around the assets were. And again, people in lockdown, that, that was, that, that's the, if we rewind and try and remember the psychology around March 2020, people thought this, you know, we were going to die. Let's be honest. People thought this was potentially going to be the end of the world at one point, yeah. <laughs> both, on a, both on an actual physical sense yeah. and in like a, a monetary, monetary sense. So, and then, you know, what do people do in those situations? They don't speculate. Like, although people did in the end, because obviously the amount of printing that happened and that obviously stimulated a lot of it. But at the same time, it was it was a clear show of transition of, of one asset to the other. And I think that's when I the, the penny probably dropped for me completely. It was probably as even as recent as, as March to April 2020, if I'm honest. I'd love to sit back and say, oh, you know, I've been, you know, because I, 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 it was 2014, 2013. I've, I've, been in, I've, I've known about crypto since 2013, 2014. But I never believed in it to the extent that I believed in it after March 2020. What price did you first see XRP at? <clears throat> what price did I first see XRP at? <laughs> Just the people know. About a hundredth of a cent or something <laughs> like that. It, it, <laughs> but, but I think it was because I remember Ethereum's initial offering was like, I think I cut the top of my head, like 2014 or 2015 or something like that. 2014. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was under a dollar. Yeah. yeah. And I just, yeah, just, what's that? Not interested. I'd rather go buy some SPDR gold trust. That'd be right. <laughs> That's the mentality behind it at the time, though. Because again, yeah. I, mean, I remember looking at it. I remember looking at XRP specifically for the first time on I can't remember what platform it was, but I remember thinking it. And it, it used to be it used to be labelled under virtual currency rather than digital assets or cryptocurrency. It was labelled under virtual currency back in the day. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, "Well, that's not real. Like, that doesn't exist then." So why would I invest in something that doesn't exist? Yeah. That was, and I just, I just ignored it. That was it. That was that, that was the only <laughs> thought process I put towards it. And yeah, now look at us, slightly wow. different, yeah. slightly different. And and what was and, the moment where you thought, okay, I can start my own fund, or yeah, I can do this. Yeah. I'm gonna do this because I mean, what people don't realize, how old are you, Adam? I don't, I don't know how old you are. You're 26, 26. Yeah. Which, which sounds ridiculous. I mean, I'm wow. 30. Well. To start your own hedge fund, well, to have already launched a hedge fund by 26, I think people, you know, going into it, I think the one thing advantage we have is that you don't need to have 30 years experience in crypto no. because there aren't 30 years of experience. <laughs> but this is a thing, right? And I think the thing and the reason, well, just to answer your first question, when I knew I was ready, was probably on a on a on a skills based, probably around the end of 2019, 
again, not just necessarily in crypto, but I think the thing that solidified it for me was the psychology or the, I think the, the strength I think I, I proved to myself in March, 2020, 2020, because again, as I mentioned right at the start, I think, you know, I worked on the floor with very good traders and, and, and very strong men. And to see them after four or five years working with them mm-hmm. sort of break down and start crying, you, you, you sort of take a step back and go, either I'm actually relatively headstrong in this space or, yeah, or I am just <laughs> mental, different. essentially. Yeah. yeah. I remember you, you told me the story about, about March 2020 and, and you said, I remember the exact words you said, we were sitting in your car and you said, a part of me died that day. And I was like, wow, okay, shit. That's the, you know, I thought it was a rough day. I didn't realize it was, <laughs> it was you know, the exact words you used. And then in May 2020, ironically, we were, we were together in London and we, we were just watching it. We were thinking, fuck's sake, here we go again. And I don't know yeah. if anyone's seen that clip on Instagram with me, you know, posting, well, uh, that I was very relieved, but the voice in the background is actually Adams. <laughs> and I think we, we knew it was going to be a tough couple of months, but we never had any doubt that we weren't going to recover, right? We were just like, oh, this is going to be really inconvenient above yeah. everything. Yeah, I think, I think the main thing to understand both for, uh, from our personal portfolios as well as our own, mm-hmm. our own fund portfolio is the conviction and the conviction towards the assets are, and, and like I said, we're not here to be a, a high frequency or an arbitrage fund. We are a macro investment strategy fund. So we have to tick all the boxes and say, is, the, is there an opportunity or is there a potential that the market dips 20, 30, 40%? Yes. Are we doing the best to de-risk that? Of course. You know, at the same time, you know, we're not going to take unnecessary losses when we believe in the long longevity in an asset class, especially the ones we were investing in. So yeah, absolutely. I remember we were sat there, I think, on the South Bank, weren't we, in, in, in central yeah. London. And, waiting for yeah, we were, we're waiting for Ananda. Yeah, we? we were, we were. <laughs> and, uh, I sat there and I was like, I think we called everyone we knew, didn't we? And yeah. I think we were a bit like, yeah. right, listen to me. Just don't ask questions. Just buy Bitcoin and Ethereum. Don't ask questions. I'd like to say since May, that's served people quite well, isn't it? So I think... Long may it continue, we hope. Those that listen sure. definitely owe us an Anders. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think sure. I think one thing that, that stuck out this whole journey, not just not just the fun, but everything. And one thing Adam said to me, but maybe you're you're expanding this earlier. Adam's actually a, a former professional footballer, you know. But one thing he said to me is that look, it's not it's not when Solana's at $140 or it's not when Bitcoin's at $60,000. It, it's easy then, right? It's easy. It's when it's when you're in the shit. You need to look on your left and your right. You need to look at the people that are there with you, literally in the trenches. What's their reactions at those times? Mm, mm, you know, I think absolutely. that's very, very important. I think I think the team that we've built over the last, not just on the fund, but TCC with everything, that's been a really, really, really kind of prominent aspect, shall we say that, you know, it's, it's the people who are, it's their reactions and their, you know, their their mentality and their their approach mm. when when you're really in the trenches. And then we were, weren't we? Because we'd only launched the fund yep. three weeks before. Well, not even that. No, no longer that. Yeah, two um, weeks. Yeah, and we were we were <laughs> we were given <laughs> we we were handed it. We, it was handed to us very nicely. So, but again, I think just to touch on two points there. One is about the team, and that's you have to build a team. I think not just obviously who are very very intelligent or, or very very good at their job. You know, it's about building social aspects of the team, and that's you need to you need to bring people into your team that you can see your life with. Because again, if you're going to build a team for five years, ten years, fifteen, twenty years, you know, at the end of the day, these people have their own social lives, right? And they you know, they have their own families, and uh, you know, whether they get married or they have kids or whatever, you you you, you will be there to see it. So if you dislike someone from minute one, that's not going to work. So the team we've built, I can very confidently say, and it, it, it's it's extraordinary in many many ways. And it's very, I think everybody brings their own their own thing to the table, whatever it may be. Because again, without it, I mean, I think we we always say, I mean, I think it's it's pivotal, maybe in the way Chelsea won the Champions League final, which is it's a team, not a, not a couple of individuals like it is. like Man City. So it's exactly for sure. I mean, that, that, that's if, if you're ever looking to. And this is the thing, right? I mean, if you're investing this in a crypto asset from 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 early doors, what do you look at? Obviously, you look at the use working product. You look at obviously the the team, the development team behind it. And again, it's not a case of you're just going to get a team that's just going to dip every every five minutes. You know, you need people that are there for the long term. So I think that's that's what I've and, and I think that's what we've put together for sure. And I think as we get bigger and as we expand, 
the thing that's so great about crypto is it's a real community. And it's not like I've seen in traditional finance anyway, where it's very cutthroat and people are out to get each other. I think a lot of the crypto fund managers I know, and there's not very many of us, are very much almost like, not pioneers, because we're not reinventing the wheel here, but we're bringing institutional touch to crypto, which is what it's needed to, to really launch itself into an institutional portfolio, which, again, many models show that it's very, very beneficial to hold a section of Bitcoin alone in, in your portfolio, which you know, it wouldn't happen without people launching these funds. But also, I think the main thing that we had to bear in mind, and this is something we spoke about very early on, is the protection for investors. I mean, look back to 2017, ICO craze and, you know, mm-hmm. you know and, and, and pump and dump schemes, etc. You know, you know as well as I do, and I think so does Dylan, I mean, the, amount of, the amount of rules and regulations we have around the fund and what we can and can't do and who we can and can't speak to. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it outweighs anything anyone could ever imagine. But, you know, because we present almost the finished product, people think, well, that wasn't so hard then. Yeah. You know? People only see the, the tip of the iceberg, right? For sure. sure. I have a question. Why do hedge funds and finance managers get such a bad reputation? I was just going to say this. I was going to ask this as well. Because literally, they, I, I literally on. spoke to, I was, I told a couple of my close friends on, you know, hedge fund, and they looked at me like, oh, could you, you're going to be one of those guys. I was like, fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't I know like what. is like a... Yeah, it's really it's like, like, like yeah. arrogant and stuck up. Is it, is it Wolf exactly. of Wall Street? Is that what it is? They've seen Wolf of Wall Most Street. Most likely. Yeah. Or Gordon, Gordon Gecko or something along those lines. I also think, look, wherever you go, whether you play football, whether you are, you know, a social media influencer, whatever it may be, you're always going to get a few bad eggs. You're always going to get a few people that are willing to bend the law to to benefit themselves. I think that's the most important thing. If you're ever at the stage, especially as we know, crypto has made people extremely wealthy in in both TCC's groups and and obviously just family and friends and people we know from from the community. It gets to a stage there where you need your money professionally managed if you're not already, you know, if you're not already essentially working in finance yourself. So I think first and foremost, I think the reason they get such a bad rap yes okay hollywood definitely plays a part in that but again i think it's a thing the thing i i would say over the last probably 15 to 20 years has been happening and that's the fact that hedge funds in traditional finance rather than digital assets i've been overcharging their uh, overcharging their their clients for yeah. subpar returns against the indexes Absolutely. and there's you know the famous jack bogle the late jack bogle a couple of years ago is a is an inspiration to to every, every everyday investor. Why would you invest in in a hedge fund when you could buy the index and make more money and pay lower fees? And that's the most important thing. And I think personally, my vision for the crypto space is is that will happen in crypto. And I've said to Amish and I've said to Dylan a number of times, it's a race to the bottom when it comes to fees in crypto. And I think now, until we get serious regulatory approval, like you know. Uh, which again is going to be tricky in itself for the SEC and, and the FCA, etc. Um, but until we, we get mainstream, you know, like I said, or we get to the stage where my granny can go down the shop and buy a shopping with Bitcoin, uh, which is probably never going to happen. But at the same time, and, and until we get there, I think money managers are going to continue to have similar similar traits about them, and uh, it's, it's quite normal, I'd say, like you said, to hear that that your friends or your your associates to say, oh, you're going to be one of those guys, are you? Because it does, and as you know, the the environment can indoctrinate you and it can make you believe you're considerably more important than you are. Yeah. I went through quite a, a serious life event in the last eight weeks and it opens your eyes to realize what's important and what's not important. And who, And I think it realigns the reason why I wanted to start the fund. And I wanted to start the fund obviously to get access to institutional crypto to make people money, obviously, and make myself money and make everyone around me money. That's, that's obviously the reason we do this. But again, it, it is genuinely a need to try and help people because people, people need it. And crypto is the biggest, it's the biggest change in, in wealth in history to the point where we're talking 1929 you know, after that crash and then the new world order after, after World War Two, you know, and then the, the, the gold standard being abolished in 1971 against the dollar. These are serious events. And I think crypto is in the next four to eight years going to 
going to put its mark, should we say, so for, for a very, very long time. I think anyone who is either managing money or just think buying and holding for forever, <laughs> as I like to call it, will we'll, we'll do very, very well. And I don't think it's a case of they're going to say, I'm going to make X, Y, Z amount of basis points versus the S&P 500. It will be how many times over have I made money? Because I think that's, you know, as Dylan will probably go into about M2, et cetera, and the amount of money they print, I think... The, the, the problem is at the moment is you're not just necessarily coping with hedge funds with high fees, but you're also coping with the fact that your money's being depreciated every year. You know, so it's it's a it's a excuse the term of phrase, but it is a bit of a shitstorm out there. So yeah, yeah, that's that, that's that's something I always I always preach: not looking at your assets in terms of a dollar dollar value, but looking at it in terms of M two money supply. Compare it with that; that will tell you if your asset is really appreciating or depreciating in value. Yeah, nice. So we talked about Bitcoin and kind of you kind of your first exposure to that and things. What about ETH? Because for me, it seems like ETH has really had its Bitcoin moment in this cycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think although I dabbled in Bitcoin to start, my first proper purchase were Ethereum. I think oh, I don't know how many times people have spoken about Ethereum on your podcast, but I'm sure. I don't need to divulge too far into... Yeah, more and more over the last kind of few few weeks or so, I think more Ethereum's kind of become more front and centre as a topic. It's, it's something we definitely paid attention to. And I read somewhere Ethereum's market cap is about to overtake JP Morgan's. Wow. And, and that's... I've got a video somewhere and I will try and find it for you guys, I promise. But there's a video of Jamie Dimon... And it's quite funny. He's got a sling. I don't know what he's done to his arm. He's got a sling on. That's not the funny part, by the way. And he's saying, I don't believe anything that has no value. And he's saying, crypto, yen, dollar, sterling, etc. all fine. And he says, but I don't believe in something that has no value. And I think also at that point, because that was around sort of 2019, that's also the point also where I thought, hmm, if he's saying it's worthless, and it most almost certainly is worth something. Because obviously my exposure to JP Morgan's antics and commodities is first and foremost at the front of my mind 90% of the time when I'm trading. But no, I think it would be interesting to see this cycle, as you mentioned, because obviously Ethereum looking like it's going to have a, a Bitcoin 2017, for example. It'd be interesting to see if, or as and when, as they did very briefly last cycle, as the market caps flip potentially. And it'll be interesting, very interesting to see the market reaction based on that. I think I bore everyone with that Storm Bryce, really, because I always say, look, we're not here to tell everyone and we're not here to trade the market. We're here to trade against the participants in the market at this stage now. Mm. Because, you know, we're not we're not trading against people that are putting five grand or fifty grand in. We're trading against people that are now got billions of dollars under management. I mean, some of the some of the crypto funds that, you know, I sort of not just know and subscribe to or talk to, whether they're arbitrage funds or whether they're just they're, they're macro funds. I mean, they're playing, they're not, they're not messing about anymore. Whereas, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, it was very much just get off the ground and you'll do all right. Whereas now it's very, very competitive. Yeah. Yeah. uh, When I say it's having its Bitcoin moment, I don't mean as in like it's going to do a Bitcoin 2017, which it could potentially do. I just mean it's getting that attention that Bitcoin did in 2017 I mean, you just got to yeah. look at the end of the cycle in, in 2017. ETH just, for me especially, it was just that, it was that number two, right? It was it was silver to Bitcoin's gold. No mm-hmm. one really paid attention to it, but it was kind of, everyone knew it was going up, so they were buying it. Now you've got all this other stuff, which it's just literally come out of nowhere. This NFT, DeFi, we keep going on about it all the time, but it's, it's there, right? But it's, it's just insane to see its growth over this, this, this cycle. And I'm interested to see where it goes over the next five years. If anyone, if someone was to come to me like, like Matrix style and give me a red pill or a blue pill, Bitcoin or Ethereum, <laughs> and it's like, which one would you take? I'd take the Ethereum pill. Mm. 100% I would own Ethereum over Bitcoin right now over the next five years. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Me too, for sure. Yeah. Amish, Corian, uh, thoughts? Is Corian, is he still awake? Is Corian still here? <laughs> I'm just here. So I'm, I'm here soaking it. I'm, I think I'm he's still here. playing Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still soak, I'm soaking it all in, man. I'm soaking it all in. I agree with the whole point of like buying Ethereum now versus Bitcoin. Do you think that Adam? Do you think that this has something to do with its price point and what 
most investors see as a price point or actual use case and feel like, hey, I missed the Bitcoin wave and now it's at 50,000 mm. and maybe I can start buying ETH at 3K and then maybe if it gets to 50,000, it won't impact me as much as missing the Bitcoin wave or do you think no, it's no. just development? No, no, it's a great question. I think there's a two-pronged answer to it. I think institutionally, use case, I think retail price action. And I think it's a perfect storm for it. We've got our own targets internally. But again, if you look at it from an institutional point, obviously the use case, the, the recent the recent developments on the network, etc. But from and from a retail perspective, if I'm a first time crypto investor, and it sounds ridiculous, but I know people that do this, they literally eyeball charts and they go, right, well that's gone up loads. That's not going up. So that's going to go up next. And they literally invest in that. And I think that's what you know, although Ethereum's had a, a great run, especially since the, the bottom in, in May, I do think it's, in my opinion, it, it's got a lot, lot, lot more to run. So yeah, I, I think there's a two pronged, two pronged answer to that. I think it's, it's going to be a perfect storm for Ethereum specifically for me. Mm. I was watching this interview yesterday with Raul Pal, and he was talking about Ethereum and and the whole kind of supply dynamics to it. He was saying there's actually only thirteen percent of supply available of Ethereum, like open supply available to, to purchase like on exchanges and things like that. The rest is either being locked up in staking, being taken off uh, off exchanges at, at, at a huge rate. And it's been That's locked incredible. up. It's, it's insane. It really is. And he was someone who was, especially at the back in the last year, was Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the greatest trade on, in the world. Yeah. Now he's starting to say Ethereum's the greatest trade in the world. <laughs> looking at the BTC ratio and it's just looking crazy. Was it about three months? Was it about three months ago, Dylan, where we saw oh, Rob Powell's is an ETH maxi now? Yeah, he's, 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 he was, wasn't he's it? Yeah. fully an ETH maxi now. Yeah, yeah, it was literally about three, four months ago, wasn't it? We thought, oh, well, okay, he's he's just discovered ETH. Yeah. <laughs> well, he yeah. well, he he always said something. He always says these things in his interviews where he's like, if someone calls me an idiot for looking at something, that makes me want to look at it. And people on Twitter, he he became quite big in the Twitter community and. Because he was known as a Bitcoin maxi ever since he started an alt season started popping off in Feb, March 2021. And he started looking at other alts, especially ETH. The Bitcoin community called him a fraud and they, they started ousting him for that. No, no, no. I think that's a sign of intelligence. I think one thing that he yeah. was really, really very mature about was that he said, I'm starting with Bitcoin. I don't know anything about altcoins. Someone educate me. Whereas all these other maxis, they kind of, like we said the other week, right? Tribalism, they have their they have their team and they just stick with it. Yeah. yeah. And we're just like, no, we're here to make money, you know, in some senses, in many senses. We think ETH is going to outperform Bitcoin, so we're going to hold ETH over Bitcoin. It's just, you know, it's just it's just about being rational, right? Yeah. He's even bought Doge. He, see, he sees value in Doge. And I, I, I see, I, I think that's quite interesting. No comment. <laughs> you say that. Nah, you, you say that, but... I think the one thing that Doge has going for it is it's got a community. It's got network yeah, effects. Yeah, but that same community got fucked over because they bought in at 70 cents, the majority of that community. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but yeah. there's a community there. All that needs to be done now is a use case needs to be built. That's, that's quite a that's quite a big aspect. I know. I don't, yeah, it's, 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 it's just needs to be if. useful now. It's quite a big thing, man. It's it's, it's a big if. But that's that's like got, that's like me playing buying a buying a football and be like, oh, I need to pay. I need to, need to learn how to, to become, play football now. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But when you have people like Elon Musk, Mark Cuban, Ralph Pal, even to an extent, backing this thing, there must be something in there. There must be something there which is which is of interest. I don't know. I see Doge being. I will, I, I will let, I will let him, you know, take the, take the gamble. I mean, I'm not taking a gamble. <laughs> <laughs> We've got low, low risk Dylan, 10 year Dylan over here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, they're not treasury inflated securities, are they? So, you know, all the, you know, all this, all this Dogecoin, all this NFT, you know, rush, well, they're not, you know, they're not tips. They're not treasuries. So I'm not interested. <laughs> Adam, Adam, what's your, what's your take on NFTs? So, I'm so confused, <laughs> if I'm totally honest, because again, a lot of my time is spent, and I'm looking at it honestly from a from an institutional point of view now, and yeah. I'm looking at it going, well, it's almost like a bartering system, because it it's, it's it's almost very, very medieval. It's, it's a super, super interesting sector, to say yeah. the least. And I think it's, James was sort of, and, and you were showing me the last yeah. couple of weeks, it was like, look, we just bought this penguin, or we just bought this rock, yeah. or, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's worth a million dollars, and it's yeah. like... Why? And it's like, 
and, you know, and then again, I, mean, I just remember you know, when artworks. Yeah, I just remember. You know, when you have like your WhatsApp on the computer and and you have your your notifications come up. I just remember yeah. one day that Adam put in the group chat, "The fuck is a pudgy penguin?" And yeah. James, is, James is like, "Oh, you got you got to learn today." <laughs> yeah. James yeah. like, "Take a seat, my friend." But no, I, I think it's, I think that's also just to touch upon it. That's also a, a, a huge, huge thing for Ethereum when obviously not to say the craze ends essentially but all the the flow of the, the capital moves back to like I said moves, either moves back to Ethereum for example I think it's uh, again if, I think I'm right if I remember rightly Dylan mentioning about 13% only available on mm. on to be traded how much more of that gets soaked up at the same time it's, it's, but no I think NFTs look I mean it's I wouldn't be adverse to to, to buying and, and we said we did mention it. Some. We did mention um, it ages ago. Yeah, it would. You did. You did. And I think it. It would be for my personal portfolio, should we say, or my personal <laughs> art collection, or whatever they call it. You know, I think it's. I think it's interesting what you mentioned about. You said something a while back, Amish, about the development of the NFT sector and what the NFT sector can look like in the future. Hmm. I think you were talking about it being similar to like after correct me if I'm wrong, like a, like an Instagram or like a yeah, or yeah, Twitter yeah, yeah. Or, or something like that. And it's yeah. Um, once once they add a social element to that. That I could that could be the next because we always talk yeah. about what could be the next social network thing, and I think generally. But then the only thing with that is that if you follow someone, you know they've got loads of artwork, they become like a target to get hacked, kind of thing. So they need to sort that out. Mm. I think that's that's a, that's a big thing actually on security. I think mm. Dylan, you mentioned to me yesterday about Twitter's allowing their users to put their Bitcoin on Ether addresses in their yeah, in their bios or something. Yeah, yeah. That's also, I don't know, I think that also plays into a security aspect. Of that, things, which... That's not a good idea, is it? No, it's, it's not a good idea yeah. at all. Do you um, not think so? No, because no. if you notice, Dylan, if you put your Ether address there and then someone sees there's like 100 ETH in there or yeah, whatever, do you know what I mean? It's like, mm, I mean, some people use that as a, as a stunt. Some people just be like, mm, yeah. no, don't, 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 need to, don't need to be sharing how much is in there. I think, I, well, I was talking to one of my crypto groups and what's up with a, with a few quite intelligent people and one of the guys in there who's, who's quite big on social and he's, he's building his own nft kind of company or something i don't know what he's doing exactly but he made a good point he was like twitter's literally got web 3.0 in the palm of its hands mm-hmm. with what they're doing now with 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 how how jack is really taking a step towards bitcoin and, and trying to immerse it almost in, into everything that he's doing and just the fact that the twitter community literally lives and breathes crypto you know i, I feel like yeah. it's the perfect space for this industry to to really strengthen almost, if mm. that's the right word. Just to wrap it up, Adam, what's your macro view on Bitcoin ETH over there? Where, where do you see it at the end of this decade? I think we're going to the end of 2020s into 2030. Be very surprised if Bitcoin wasn't over a million dollars by the end of the decade, personally. I think, and I'm not just, you know, trying to, you know, hype it. I'm not doing a Bill Ackman here. You know, it's not like, I'm not going on. I'm not going as much as I love Bill Ackman. Yeah. Yeah. Just as much as I just want to say, as much as I love Bill Ackman and I, I, I'm yeah, a, big, a huge fan of his, when you've got institutional money managers, Dalios, Ackmans, et cetera, when, when they're the ones leaning towards the market and that's institutional money flows. And then obviously every country, whether it be US or whether it be Canada or whether it be, you know, you know India, Russia, whatever it may be, and, and maybe even China in the future, you never know. As that money flows back in, as you say, it's a case of how much of it is actually available to trade, number one. Because again, it's just a supply and demand issue at that point. I think that more institutions will just buy and hold for a very sustained amount of time. And I think by the time that happens, by the time we, maybe not this cycle, I'm, I'm 50-50 on the next cycle, but I think very comfortably two cycles from now, if we say that, if we haven't seen just a Bitcoin super cycle personally, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think there'll be a 2018 style pullback or a May 2020 style pullback, it will almost just be stagnant and there'll be just be no movement on, on the exchanges and you, know, you can still see an altcoin pullback, etc., which again, I think Ethereum maybe, if you say, is a, is a cycle behind Bitcoin for us, uh, that type of that type of super cycle vibe. But yeah, just from my projections and my personal opinion, just want to make that clear. My personal opinion, <laughs> my views are of my own. I'm not a Swan Bryce, but they're, 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 <laughs> it's, um, I think even though I am Bryce and Swan Bryce, I think a million dollars for Bitcoin. I think in the next next well into the decade, at least next two cycles, and Ethereum will follow that. And whatever price projection you want to put on it, you probably wouldn't be far off as long as it's higher from where it is now. Mm. I think that's the most most important thing people need to understand is if you're ever investing, whether you're investing for children 
or you're investing to buy a house or wherever it may be, whatever your goal may be, if you're willing to invest for five, 10 years in crypto, you will be able to achieve your goals. That's what I believe. Mm. And I think that's the main way that I speak to corporates and, and I speak to high net worth and institutions, etc. It's just to say, you need crypto more than crypto needs you at this point now. So we say that anyone who doesn't take it up, someone might have to fact check me, but it might be Kathy Wood or it might be another, Legend. maybe a central banker. Yeah, absolutely. Big Kathy. It might be her or, or one other, but <laughs> anyone who doesn't adopt crypto in the next, I'd say now 18 months is, is, is going to be, going to be eaten alive by the space i think yeah. completely why do you think people are like pete like like peter schiff you get and that other guy recently paul something paulson or something someone why do you think these people yeah. are so against it are they just like stuck in their ways or just don't mm. want to i just don't like change maybe i think i think you need to understand again the, the demographic of the space and a mm. lot of that again i'm 26 we're all you know young guys right and yeah. it's you know you got paulson who obviously made billions i think 20 billion short in the mortgage market in 08 it's not is it in his interest for money to be moving out of the spaces he's investing in into crypto no of course not okay but you know and then there's so much you know there's so much tape around what american firms can do for example american investors can do in crypto we know that firsthand with regards to people being skeptical like peter shift at, the, at this point now the, the amount of time peter shift has known about bitcoin should we say it, either he's the biggest troll in history or he's He's, excuse my language, he's fucked it completely. Um, because, uh, you know, I think it's, it, it's getting to the stage now where it, that's a psychological problem. Like that's, a, in, that's an individual psychological problem. If you're not able to open up to new, new things and you're violently against, you know, assets that are, let's be honest, changing the world now with El Salvador and then Cuba, for example, and then obviously the South American countries that are, you know, and it's bringing, and it's bringing, countries with people that don't have bank accounts into the 21st century how is that not good for for for, for, for humankind and i think if anyone who's seriously adverse to that or has a problem with that that's a psychological problem for that individual and yeah i think you can hold on to your, your gold and your silver and you will make money on it but at the end of the day it's it's a paradigm shift right and it's a new it's a it's a new world order i think i spoke to one of our our mutual contacts about this a very very long time ago you, you guys know quite well but I think it was a D I spoke to on the 5 a.m. podcast. Oh, yeah, and, um, yeah. no, it, is a, it is a new world order. And I think either you, you jump on now or you're going you're gonna to get left behind. Let's just put it that way. I think you sent me something a while back, again, referencing the great John Bogle, buy everything and hold it forever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just, literally, especially in the kind of times where the times we're living now. Peter Lynch. Peter yeah. Lynch of yeah. Fidelity. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. sorry. Was it Peter Lynch? My yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, hold everything. Yeah. Just in case it's a winner. Just hold on to it. But no, I think uh, a lot of money managers share the same opinion if they're investing for a long time, Dylan. I think it's... You want things that are guaranteed? Go by, go by treasuries, you know? I think anything... The nearest thing for the next 10 to 15 years to make money, although you can't, can't guarantee anything, it would be crypto. And it would be specifically Bitcoin and Ether. Mm. You know? So... I just feel like, yeah, the, the kind of times we're living in now, and like you were, you were talking about it before, like in kind of recessions and, and times of depression mm. in, in a society, the middle and lower class get hurt the most because they're the spenders of the economy. And it just seems like the times we're living in now, if you hold assets, you're going to do well for yourselves. But I just feel like hold assets, buy everything and just hold it for the next decade. And I mm. think you'll be good by 2030. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think as well, hopefully we've even included Amish a little bit more than we did the first time we spoke Dylan. I think. <laughs> I think uh, Amish was, uh, Amish mentioned me beforehand. It was like, hopefully it's not going to be like it was the first time you two met. No. I think. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's aware of it. No. Very quickly. So Adam was saying to me, I said, no, you need to meet Dylan. You need to meet Dylan. He's our guy. He's our macro guy. You, you need to meet him, right? He's, he's our guy. And so it was me, James, Adam and Dylan on the Zoom call. And I think after about three minutes, me and James just zoned out and they were just talking about macro, macro, macro in absolute depth. And they were like these long lost twins that hadn't, you know, they were separated at birth. And me and me and James are just like, fucking hell, do we, do we like, can we, do, we, do we need to stay on this call? Or, and then we started sending memes to each other. So we were trying to keep a straight face while these two were, uh, it's when, it's, I remember it really well, I'll, I'll probably end on this well. It's when Adam started talking about the army coming in. I was like, what? Are we going to war? <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, like, wait, yeah, wait, wait. Yeah. I just thought been... I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, it was a real freestyle session, wasn't it? Almost. It was. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was awesome. Good.
Yeah, yeah nice, nice to meet someone on like a similar wavelength. So it's always nice. <laughs> oh, for <laughs> sure, man. Absolutely. We still don't have a look clue when, when they're talking. We're just like, yeah, okay. Dylan will give his like whole macro, you know, in, incredible insight. And we're like, right, is that good or bad? Up or down? What does it mean for digital? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We're like, just t- talk to us. Like, yeah. yeah. Are we still going <laughs> on? Yeah. Like, like, that's all these little ask me. Like, I'll, be, I'll, I'll go on like a five minute rant, long essay on WhatsApp, yeah. Yeah. and then I'll just get a question back, like, what does it mean for crypto? That's all we need to know. Jackson Hole was an interesting one, wasn't it? I think Jackson Hole was interesting. <laughs> Adam, Adam, happy on uh, Ronaldo? Jeez. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Honestly, Oi. I remember, do you know what? Just a little quick one. I remember I told you, I think, Amish, one of the first times I met you or whatever I was, I remember saying, I think I said to Dylan months ago as well. I he said, did. He he's said coming home. Ago. He's coming back. He's coming back this summer. I didn't and, believe um, it. I remember the day he left. I must have been. 12, 13. <laughs> and I remember having this big Ronaldo poster in my room and I remember just ripping it off the wall in despair at 12 or 13 years old. And I need to go find that poster because that's got to go back up in my house. <laughs> but I am, I am absolutely... I, I, I'll be honest with you, Dylan. I'm, I still feel drunk. So I'm totally honest. still I'm feel drunk. Especially after, scramble especially after, especially after he bagged those two late goals for Portugal the other day. I just, I just uh, kind of moody is in now. It's just it's like, yeah, different. okay. Okay, come with that. Come with that sauce, bro. He's he's a, he is the definition of built different. Yeah, he's one of my hundred percent. And I will tell you what, run out over Messi. That debate is now settled completely, on, on completely, everything. completely settled. Like no one, no one can at me anymore. No one can say, "Oh, Messi's a better dribbler." <laughs> like, come on, it's childish, isn't it? It's childish. Hundred hundred eleven international goals for Portugal. It's, oh, it's come on. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like you're playing like Argentina's golden generation. He's playing with like, what's the, what's the guy's name? He's playing with like... Jao Yeah, Raul Morelos. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Put some respect on Raul Morelos' name, man. Hold on. He's got Jose Font playing centre-half, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> man couldn't get in Southampton's team a couple of years ago and he's... Come on, built different. So, so Adam and I have bet that whoever <laughs> Chelsea and Man United, whoever wins, whoever finishes higher in the league, Dinner at Nobu is is on the losing side. So yeah, one of my friends I used to work with, he's now the global head of social media at Manchester United. I was watching his story yesterday, or maybe even this morning, and they literally just did the the print of of, of the Ronaldo shirt, and and it just it popped up, and it was just there, man. Ronaldo seven, and I was just like, mm. almost like tears up, bro. Is he, is he number seven? Is he seven? Yeah, yeah. Oh, CR yeah. seven, bro. Come on, you're come be... on. No, 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 no. That's what I thought, but they they said they were going to give him some, some stupid number. Nah, man, like, no, 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 no. Yeah, of course, no. He's, course. Even, he's even got an aftershave called CR seven. That's that's his old brand. Yeah, he's his old brand. So. I'm watching an advert right now. We're another just here on it. So, <laughs> on TV. Oh, so you need to you need to get him on the podcast. That's what you need. You need to, <laughs> yeah, big names, big names. Yeah, I think I'd have you on just as a special guest, Adam. Just for oh, like, yeah, just, just, just to share I'd, the moment. I'd, I'd be doing. I'd just be in silence. <laughs> honestly, I'd, I'd just, I just as long as he was. Oh, Dylan, I can't even talk anymore. That's how. That's <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited, excited. I'm, I'm excited, bro. <laughs> excited. We, we got we got to go to Old Trafford at some point this season, man. It'll be for sure. Oh, Chelsea, absolutely. Chelsea, Man United. Chelsea, Man United. Book it, mate. Book it. Oh, and, that'll any, be legendary. And, and any and just to throw out there, any Storm Bryce clients that are listening, get at us for any Man United Chelsea tickets. We we'll take the we we'll take all the clients. We'll, we'll take all the clients to Man United Chelsea this year. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Home and away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, take them to the, to the home of the European champions. Yeah. Uh, not for long, bro. Not for long. Yeah, bro. Come on, mate. Come on. Yeah. He if, if yeah. he comes and wins the champos with us this year, solidified greatness, mate. Solidified. Oh my yeah, God. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. If. If yes. Yeah, how how if. can't you? How can't you give it 100%. to us? <laughs> 100%. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Right. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go buy overpriced art and listen to some music. <laughs> Listen to what? No, like I said, I, I will give it. I will give it its full. You know, I'll give it a proper listen. And... I already kind of know what you're going to say about it. Yeah, it. I kind of know what you're going to. I will give it. Look, if, if anyone's asking, I thought Donda was brilliant. I thought it was maybe two tracks too long, but it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. I oh okay. Well, I tell you what, we'll um, we'll reconvene. Yeah. We'll reconvene. We shall. We'll, we'll <laughs> talk indeed. about this. Feel free to to spread the propaganda in the meantime. <laughs> yeah, I like. I, I think the most one of the favorite things on the phrase of it is the art is the album artwork. That is just oh, don't, don't even get cold. Started. No, don't even cold. Get started. <laughs> Legendary, Honestly. mate. 
Honestly, it's cold. Be, your it's your favorite art, your favorite artist could never Amish. Honestly, just the honestly Drizzy CR7 link up. That would be that would be me and Dylan's dream. I'll tell you now. <laughs> can't be actually, there. Drake's actually bad luck. So I think if you get <laughs> a link up, I think uh, Aldo will get injured or something. I know something would happen. Get, yeah, get Drake a CR7 shirt ASAP. No, no, no. Mm. We don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want that. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Oh, man. Adam, after, yeah, the, right, last Adam. Two, after, after the last two years, don't ever say that because we, we will test that theory out. <laughs> no, I remember because he, he, t- he turned up to like a Conor McGregor fight and he was backstage with Conor McGregor. I think it was before the Khabib fight, actually. He turned up backstage to meet Conor McGregor and Conor McGregor lost. And he's, he, that's happened a few <laughs> times now where he's, he's turned he, up. He's and, got a history of just whoever sports team he wears within that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, they just lose. What about the Raptors? He supports the Raptors, doesn't he, in basketball? How do they do? Uh, no, they won the champs, didn't they? Twenty nineteen. They, they won it, yeah. and then the yeah, COVID. Yeah. Then COVID. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the time he was right it was a global pandemic. So yeah. yeah. But no, swings and roundabouts, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Eth is about to hit four thousand dollars, and so I think on that note, oh, we should get back to work. We should get back to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Cool. Okay, Thank guys, you, thanks for having me on. Obviously, it was obviously I listened to pretty much every podcast as you guys know. So, yeah, was, uh, hopefully I gave you enough to work with. Yeah, th- thanks for having me on. It was, no, it was awesome, a pleasure. Man. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Cheers.